the camera. That doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> it's there, All but right. it is not there. All right. Don't pay attention. Don't pay attention to anything out here. They just aren't the here. Just the us. microphone <laughs> and us. It's just us. Welcome. Are you guys excited to be here? Very excited. Thank really you for excited. having us. Really excited to be here. <laughs> All right. Before we get started, I'd like you guys to introduce yourselves to our audience. I am Giles Garrison. I support the Workforce Development Program at Parks and Rec, and um, that includes a teen workforce program. And I do volunteer engagement uh, north of the river. My name is Bryce Wilk. I'm the superintendent of the James River Park System, and I've been in that position since January of 2019. Long time then. It is, it is, but it's been <laughs> a wonderful years, year and a half, um, even with our current situation. Even uh, with that, we're going to talk about our nice current, is it nice situation? Our new normal, I guess, is what we should be calling it. You could say that. I, nice may not be the word that I would use, but I still feel that now people are realizing how important green spaces are and having that outlet to be able to get to an area where you can socially distance, where you can just get some relief from the everyday news cycle that's hitting you and be able to kind of escape into nature. So as part of the James River Park system, where you have 600 acres of a natural environment in the heart of the city, I think it's been a great place for people to kind of to get away from it. So in March, we all were, like many businesses, we were ordered home to be in the house for a little while to stop the spread of COVID. And really the only things that people could do to kind of get an outlet was to go outside. Now, from where you sort of saw people outside pre-COVID versus now, how much of an increase was that? So within the James River Park system, we actually have traffic and trail counters, so we can measure that in different ways. Of course, I could anecdotally tell you that, yes, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people, but March specifically, when we first kind of went through the shutdown, parks were still open, and we saw a 71% increase in the number of park users from March of 2019 and 2019 was the most visited year in the James River Park system to March of 2020, which is going to be the most visited year in the park system. So yes, I think people quickly realize that with everything shut down, we are gonna go to the park and that's exactly what they did. So a 71% increase. And then now through August 31st of 2020, uh, we are at 1.5 million people who have visited the park system. Now. Summer is arguably the busiest time for our department with summer camps and um, teens working and, you know, just all the different things that go on during the summer. A lot of that took a hit, but it didn't affect the park system. Do you see sort of this trend of people wanting to be outside more continuing as you know, as things go on, maybe six, seven months 
down the road when COVID may or may not be uh, such a big problem? Do you see the numbers decreasing or do you see the numbers increasing? Do you see the numbers staying where they are? So, as I say, green space is more important than ever. Um, and I think this year served as a great introduction to a lot of people to the park system. Maybe there are some people who never got to experience that or even really knew that was an option. But when you don't have any other options, that becomes your one place to go. And uh, so I think we noticed a lot of new park users who had come down to the park system and hadn't experienced it before. And I think vast majority of them. No one goes to a park to have a bad time. So I think vast majority of them saw this as, as a positive, definitely something that they're going to keep as part of their new routine as we, as we talk about it. We were affected, though, in a couple of different ways. I still kept park or we kept the James River Park system open. We did restrict some parking lot stuff. We had this great program with park monitors, which uh, Giles will be able to really talk about that in a awesome way. The part of that introduction, we were missing a piece though, because generally summer camp and just public programming are another way for us to introduce people in uh, kind of a structured manner, where this year we were not able to do that in the sense that people just got to the park system may be a little bit overwhelming for them, where in the past we may have been able to host a program, we may have been able to do summer camp, we may have been able to teach a couple of different lessons to be able to figure out the best way to enjoy the park system. Because I know just as, even though I've been in parks my whole life, the James River Park System can feel a little overwhelming. It can be like, there's a big green wall here, there's trails that are everywhere, there's people going in and out, and it may be a little bit scary. So I do think we did miss out on a new younger generation to be able to show them some of the um, leave no trace principles and certain ethos that we would try to promote in a healthy use of the park system where we definitely saw a few things more on the vandalism front and a bit more on the trash uh, side of things, which is still something we're dealing with right now. But overall, I still think it's a net positive to be able to get people down into the park system. Now, on that same thought, summer workforce development um, had to drastically be changed to fit into the guidelines that the CDC has set um, to make sure that everyone is safe. What what did that look like? Um, did you think about not having the program at all? Um, was that never, never a thought? What What was that process like? Well, in in March, as Bryce and and you mentioned earlier, we we all had to pivot quickly. We all were initially quarantining, and I think our director showed a lot of leadership. And I very much wanted teens to be engaged outside. Um, in the past, we have had this great partnership with the Mayor's Youth Academy. And under the Mayor's Youth Academy, and we still have this partnership, Melanie Ramos runs that um, with Parks and Rec. We have the CIT program, the Counselors and Training program. Um, but that program is, is primarily indoors at recreational centers. So knowing that we would have to cancel that program along with a, a lot of other summer youth programs, Chris said, I, I want teens to be engaged and um, asked Melanie and I to put something together relatively quickly. We had about a month and we put together a teen workforce program that would entail teens taking part in the maintenance and the improvements of parks outdoors. So um, using the recreational centers, 
walking distance from their homes. We had a team of 24 students and one trail team, which was wonderful. And um, those three teams worked with the park staff, park technicians, the trail crew to do all sorts of improvements in the three districts and in trails and greenways in our parks. We had great models to kind of develop that program to, to base our development of the program off of. Um, it looks a little like a, a conservation core you would see in a state or a, a federal, a national parks program. And to be honest, it's always been a dream of mine that the city has a conservation core for teens and eventually young adults because of our just huge sort of need for that kind of support. Also in terms of hands-on job training, I think it's really restorative to teach teens how to make the world around them a better place. And it's exciting for me to watch a young person get that bug. So it was a great opportunity to try out some ideas, I think, that, um, that our director wanted to see. Now you talked about having to pivot uh, very quickly and a lot of companies and businesses and industries have had to pivot extremely quickly and change, you know, for some businesses, their entire business model to fit the new normal that we are in. Did either one of you see any cracks in your parts of the department that could be changed, that may need to be eliminated, that need to be looked at and strengthened somewhere? I would just say that what it kind of illuminated for me was how important it is to communicate maintenance problems, maintenance or maintenance challenges, maintenance issues, improvement issues to sort of <laughs> like a project management system that we share throughout parks. Um, and I know that our parks department has developed over time. I, I think that before I arrived to parks and PRCF, three districts were created. I don't know what the situation was prior to that, but with, for example, putting together the improvement projects in each district, I typically would go to the superintendent, which would be Bryce with James River Park System, develop a project and figure out materials and, and what was needed to get it done. And in Bryce's case, I think um, because you're used to maybe, and I don't jump in, but because you're used to working with a whole lot of different groups, you guys are kind of ready to go with those kind of discrete projects where a group that's outside of your staff is coming in to get something done. Outside of James River Park, on South Side, we were looking at a project at Swansboro Playground. The community contact was someone who we wanted to work with to develop that project. But the list of sort of maintenance projects might be sort of a little more dispersed, maybe because it's a broader district, maybe because it has less of a um, visibility. James River Park is regionally known, whereas Swansboro Playground may not be. So to sort of get those get those projects to a place where they were ready for teens and um, a staff person to lead and potentially had a technician support, that was something I would like to see developed in parks where we had that list of projects. And actually that is my job on Northside. So <laughs> that's what I was spending time doing yesterday is going around the Northeast District of Parks and kind of um, creating an inventory of projects that I will work with the technicians at our citywide maintenance shop to get ready for volunteer groups or for the team workforce program to come in and do. That, yeah, it kind of brings up two good points uh, there. Um, I certainly would say no elimination of anything 
uh, is not something that I would be looking at in light of COVID. Um, I think it, as she said, illuminates a few things of the demand and need for more resources to go into parks and rec in general, um, and especially James River Park System, just because it's uh, a big, open, accessible area for folks. But I think um, we are fortunate enough from the James River Park System side that we've had volunteers and groups that have helped us over the years because I know uh, the James River has gotten down to only a couple of staff members at certain times. So it would actually take, it would be volunteer groups who are kind of the backbone of the park system to be able to upkeep it for long periods of time. This is prior to my time and it's been quite a few years, but that's kind of ingrained in the uh, development of the James River Park System to be able to have volunteers to come in and be able to do projects very similar to uh, what the teen workforce has done. So that's already in the mindset of a lot of the staff members that we have in there that, yeah, we are going to work as professionals within parks, rec, and community facilities, but we know how to incorporate uh, other folks into it to help us and maximize our time and talents. It certainly has been a challenge in the sense I'm asking my staff to come in and there's a risk to that and we have to kind of balance out that risk we do work in outdoors so that's a positive but there are certain procedures and things that we've had to put in place new cleaning type stuff and then of course just being hyper aware of how we are feeling because it's not just you that it's affecting it's all of your co-workers your family your friends and so keeping that in mind is another big piece to to where we have been going and how do you all each individually manage that? You are having to deal with the public. You're having to deal with your staff. And you're also having to deal with yourself, your mental health, um, and taking on the weight of, you know, making sure that your staff is safe and the community is safe sometimes outweighs what you're doing for yourself personally. What are some of the things that you all are doing to kind of make sure that you, your mental health is taken care of? Your, the safety of your family is taken care of so that you can come and manage uh, staff? That's uh, it's always a challenge. <laughs> you, you work in one of the best places out there. You, you can take a walk, and you do sometimes have to do that in the middle of your day if you're like, things are starting to get to that level where I'm just building up the stress and pressure on myself. I need to just put it down, and sometimes taking that 10-minute walk can really relieve a lot of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, walking, a little bit of meditation. I try to get my running and biking in. Um, but then also being able to go home, take that deep breath, and just appreciate the things that I have, too, because I know that's not every person's situation, but... Um, it's, it's still a challenge. One thing that I've found to be really like refreshing is volunteer projects. I, I find it really addictive, which is why I try to invite people to take part in, in the projects um, from a parks perspective, but um, I was working on a little volunteer project last Saturday on Broad Street at, I think, Cutshaw. It was, you know, the volunteer turnout was 12 people. We were putting in a permeable paver path across a little park site, 
Um, it's next to the BRT. People, people cross through there a lot. I think I want to do more after work volunteer projects this fall. I think that there's a desire among young people, young adults, but also, also more mature adults to kind of take part in just, just positive activity. I think these projects help people feel like they connected with someone they didn't know before. They left a place better than they came to it. I find that that is really helpful for me um, when I'm frustrated to go work with the teens on a project if it's we're continuing in the, in the fall. So to work with the kids or to work with a group of volunteers. So and that is actually something that um, the administration Chris would also like to see more of. Now we in recreation, we sometimes venture out of our own divisions. This had everyone venturing out of their own little small bubble to help everyone out. You spoke about recreation, um, walking the trails and the parks. Um, I know a lot of staff helped out with computer distribution and food distribution. A, what was that like to work with parts of our division that you may not have worked with as closely before? And B, do you think that this is something that is going to to, to continue to be a trend post-COVID? I hope so. It was, I had mentioned that I started in January 2019, but then I realized uh, when we started with park monitoring and, and even just uh, our daily briefings through Zoom phone, phone calls and stuff like that, that I did not know a lot of our Parks Rec community facility staff. I kept to my little bubble of like 10 to 15 people that were at James River Park System. And it was a good reminder and an eye-opening for me to realize that, yeah, we're part of a much bigger network here that reaches into not just the river community, but communities throughout the entire city. And so I definitely have used that as a motivator for myself to be like, we have the river, but there are so many other places that have that need that park or that recreational aspect and that I want to help that in any way possible. So being able to now have better lines of communication, whether it's through text or email or just knowing uh, different people in different areas has been a good experience for me. And so I hope that trend continues upward. We're definitely stronger together. I don't think we can continue to operate in little pockets. Um, so not to say that that's exactly how it was before. Um, it's just, it's it's been good for me, I'll say, in that sense. I agree. I want more team building. <laughs> and I, I, I haven't been here even as long as Bryce. I started in uh, September 2019, so I just came up on a year. I'm a one big happy family kind of person. And I think even when you have <laughs> a disagreement or mm -hmm. um, a frustration with somebody, it's just so much better when you might be able to talk with that person. I think COVID has made it really difficult to to actually do that. I, I think the park monitoring program, which I participated in, and I, I was working at Admiral Street at the time, um, and uh, other people I know that joined the monitoring program were also at Admiral Street. So we were all sort of quarantining at home but knowing that people were just gonna pour into the parks, um, we developed this program and, um, and we were sort of organized by Bryce and uh, the staff at Reedy Creek and James River Park System. 
And it was great. I mean, it was really a time to get to know the get to know the parks better, but get to know each other better. Um, and our groups changed from week to week. Um, it was a different experience. And I think everybody that I knew really threw themselves into it. Everybody I was kind of working with um, in terms of picking up trash during the day, asking <laughs> asking folks to take their alcoholic beverages home when we <laughs> ran into them. <laughs> Um, and at least pack it out. <laughs> Use the trash cans. How difficult is it to be strategic in a situation where you have to be overly cautious and strategic on how you're keeping staff and the community safe? Mm -hmm. It's still a challenge. Um, because we definitely have scares. Fortunately, none of our staff has, uh, has gotten COVID, but there's certainly been times where we've had people um, tested multiple times now throughout it. And when anybody is feeling sick, you go through those questions, making sure that you're not just protecting yourself, but protecting the people around you. Um, we've tried to stagger out scheduling a little bit more. Um, but I also think people are, are thirsty to get out there and do stuff too. And that's a part of that, like, mental health part of it too. Yes, you, there is a, a risk to it, but if we are working outside and taking these general precautions, we can do it in a safe way mm -hmm. and contribute to the community. Um, so, uh, but no, I still struggle with it um, because I, I don't want to put anybody at risk, but I think people realize how important this job is too, to, to themselves, to the community. So it's still still out there. Do you think the message of the importance of outdoors, um, especially now more than ever, is being effectively communicated um, to the public? I think we've made strides in that direction. I don't think we're, I don't think we're doing it enough, but I, I think that there has been an effort. We, we started a film um, series called Hidden Gems. I saw that. I think it's, I loved it. I saw it. I loved it. Yes. I really love it, too. It is our community garden coordinator who's shooting and editing those, and she wasn't hired for that purpose. So I think she's really trying to deliver with all of the 20 community gardens. Um, six more came on board since she started. Um, she is not yet full time at the city. So I think we're all stretching to try to do that. And I think that the more we organize around what are those kind of key things that we need to do together, we'll get it done. I have some wonderful nonprofits that support the park system. And we recently went through the James River Park System Master Plan, which is an official city document that shows you where the, the number of people are increasing, the demand for this area is increasing. Um, and it kind of outlines, it's our guiding document for the next 10 years. And so these wonderful nonprofits and community members have helped us create this document. Now it's the implementation part that needs to get done. And it's not just, you know, it can't be just driven by volunteers and nonprofits. The city and government leaders really have to invest in it too, because we're not just talking about a few thousand dollar projects. We are talking about millions of dollars, but if we look at the economic impact, if we even want to look at it that way, the, the green spaces, uh, well, the James River has a 30 plus million dollar impact. It's the most, it's the biggest tourist attraction to the city of Richmond. But 
if we also look at just current evidence that is out there, when we talk about the racial awakening that we're having and the recent articles about redlining in the city of Richmond and um, heat islands and stuff like that, it's of value for our physical health and for our city's health, for the people of the city of Richmond. And how important our green space is, it's almost immeasurable in the sense that it affects you on so many different levels with your mental, physical, and um, even financial well-beings. And so I think we really need to start prioritizing these things as if we start looking at the different government departments that we have parks and recreation may not be this biggest revenue generation type thing but it serves as such a um, indicator of where our city is going and so we really need to make sure that we're not just investing now because anytime you're investing in green space it takes time and we're looking at the decades type of thing um, so i think it is as i've said more important than ever um, and it can be affect many different areas other than just this, oh, you get to go play outside. It has, has a much wider ripple effect than that. Um, Can I add to that? In terms of like getting the message out, one thing that I was really impressed by with the with redlining urban heat island effect and um, the recent addition of 35 acres on south side to parks. Mm -hmm. um, Through the green team, yep. Right. That whole initiative, I feel like if we had a dashboard of some kind that we use at parks to show like who are those new parks benefiting, um, what are the paths to get to those parks, what are the volunteer opportunities on the weekends that people can take part in, what are the potential educational resources, and, and as Bryce said, it's going to take a while to develop those sites, the workforce development is going to have a huge part in that. So there's going to be an economic benefit um, to the people who get jobs with parks um, because we have we have greater needs now. So we have sort of a better argument. To but um, I think one way of communicating So we are six months in the future. Where do you see volunteering and workforce development, um, even if we're still dealing with COVID? I hope that volunteerism uh, north of the river, um, which is where I'm responsible, is sort of a weekly after work activity that takes the place of going out to the bar um, or sitting at home, you know, depending on who you're talking, <laughs> who you're talking, talking to. to. I'm hoping that we can engage young adults, I guess is what I'm trying to say. People who I see demonstrating being activists, can we make volunteerism into a kind of civic activism? Um, and I would like to see that happening at least twice a week after work. We're gonna start with Thursdays this fall. Hopefully we'll, we'll grow it. 
Um, and then with workforce development, I think that is going to be a really powerful job readiness program. I hope parks can be an employer for most of the participants and for other participants that we don't have job openings for. My hope is that with AmeriCorps support, so we have an AmeriCorps application in, we can work with the localities um, to find jobs for our participants. But I, I hope that we can help to um, improve our unemployment numbers in Richmond. Same question, Bryce. We are six months in the future. Where do we see parks? My hope uh, in six months is people realize that these green spaces are more important, so they will uh, start to take on that responsibility of caring for them um, to a level of like caring like for your own backyard kind of thing. So that sense of ownership, uh, whether it's through volunteerism or just um, appropriate use of our park areas. I also hope... Uh, kind of bigger picture items through the master plan that we start to check off a lot of the boxes that are on there for the action items and you know some of the bigger ones where we actually have some bigger funding pieces that are put in place maybe adding even more green spaces as that is something not just along the river but throughout the entire city which I think we're already starting to see some of those steps with the green team recommendations but there's still a lot more with the percentage of land within our city of Richmond it's kind of lagging behind other cities that uh, have also well-developed park systems. Um, but yeah, really, I hope the, the numbers are still there, um, but then also adding that um, increased responsibility and duty to taking care of those green spaces. Um, so I'm, I'm happy people are utilizing the park, and I'm very proud of my team for being able to keep up with that this year and to be able to provide that escapism for people. Well, Giles and Bryce, thank you guys for coming to talk to me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. I know you're busy because we have stuff to do. Thank you, guys.